1: Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Just the sight of Christ as the Son of Man, as the Judge, with the nail scars in His hands, will speak so loudly of how humble he was when he, in his condescension, when he went down and he died for our sins in Philippians 2.7, Philippians 2.7, when he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Christ is explaining in verse 31 that he'll come as the Son of Man, but he'll come in his glory, in his glory. And Christ's glory has a radiance to it, which a couple of the disciples saw on the Mount of Transfiguration, but this is gonna be different now because now he's going to be seen, as he says in verse 31, that he's gonna come in his glory, and what is that glory? That glory is equivalent or the same as God the Father's glory. The amount of lumens in his glory, the brightness of his glory is the same as it says in Hebrews 1.3, Hebrews 1.3. Who being the brightness, that's the number of lumens, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Just think about it. There were three crosses where he was crucified. But, and the three crosses we know, the one cross of the one thief who rejected Christ and then the other cross of the other thief who rejected Christ, that was a statement that says that everybody falls into the category of one of those two thieves, either the receiver or the rejecter. But standing in the middle is Jesus Christ alone when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In other words, he was all alone when he was doing all this. And then in verse 31, Christ said that he will not come alone. He won't be coming alone when he comes. He was on the cross alone, but when he comes in judgment, he says he won't be alone. All the angels will be coming with him. There's not one angel that's going to say on that morning, You know, I don't feel very good. I'd like to sleep in this morning. Not one angel. Not one angel is going to say, Can I be excused from this coming? All the angels, verse 31, verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him. That means there's not gonna be one angel who won't be coming with Christ when he comes. And those angels will come and they all have specific key roles to perform at that time of judgment. They all got a job. The angels, for example, when they come, will be charged with, they have the job of gathering every saved person from every corner of the earth. It doesn't matter if they died in Alaska or they died in Tonga or they died in Ethiopia. Matthew 24, 31, Matthew 24, 31. He shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So there's gonna be a signal. There's gonna be a signal that the angels are waiting for. You can just see them saying to themselves, wait for the signal, don't move till you hear the signal. And that signal is a shout. It's a shout from one angel called the archangel, and there will be a loud trumpet sound called the trump of God, and we angels are waiting for that, and they don't launch into their action until they hear that, and then when they hear that, then those angels will get right to work, and they'll bring out of every grave followers of Christ called the dead in Christ. And the angels are gonna do that according to 1 Thessalonians 4.16. First Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the ark, angel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So, and when Christ comes as a judge, the angels then, they're going to gather together all those also who rejected Christ. They're going to have a second gathering of all those who rejected Christ, and they're going to bring them to judgment, and after judgment, it's going to be those same angels that are going to cast those unregenerate into the lake of fire. Hebrews 9, 27, Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Man may say, but I don't wanna stand before God in judgment, and the angels will say, we don't care, because it'll be the angels that'll bring the people, whether they want to or not, to stand in judgment, and if a person has turned his back on God in his life, then it'll be the angels that will carry out that judgment of Matthew 13, 40. Matthew 13, 40. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. And it'll be the angels that will be the witnesses, they will sit there and watch the misery and the suffering of the lost in hell. They will see that, Revelation 14.10, Revelation 14.10. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day nor night. Then after Christ comes in his glory with all the angels in verse 31, Christ tells us that he will sit on the throne of his glory. Now Christ is sitting not on that throne, Christ is sitting on another throne. He's on the right hand of God the Father. He's sitting on a different throne because God the Father said to Christ that he should sit now in waiting. He's waiting now in this throne he's sitting on until his enemies are made his footstool, what he puts his feet on, in Psalm 110, verse 1. Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until... I make thine enemies thy footstool. So now Christ is sitting on the throne, and for us, the throne that Christ is sitting on has a name, and the name is the throne of grace. He's sitting on the throne of grace, and we are told that we should right now be coming boldly to that throne of grace so that we can get help in our needs, Hebrews 4.15, Hebrews 4.15. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So the throne now that Christ is now sitting on is the the throne of a priest. He's sitting on the throne of a priest, not just any priest, a high priest, that can be touched with the feeling of our weaknesses and this priest's throne that Christ is sitting on now, we are to come boldly today to, is called the throne of grace. But when Christ comes in verse 31, he'll sit on a different throne and that throne is called the throne of his glory in verse 31. Verse 31, then shall he sit on the throne of his glory. And the prophet, it was the prophet Daniel, in the Old Testament that described in even more detail than we have right here, what that will look like when Christ sits on that throne of his glory. And when Daniel called Christ at that time, he didn't call him the Son of Man, but he called him the Ancient of Days. His title is the Ancient of Days in Daniel 7 verse nine. Daniel 7 verse nine, he said, Daniel, I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow and his hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him and 10,000 times 10,000s stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. Those thousand thousands that ministered to Christ, those are the angels. Those are all the holy angels, all the holy angels that Christ said would come with him in verse 31. Those 10,000 times 10,000s that are standing before Christ, those are people. Those are people that are standing there for judgment. And the books that Daniel said were open, that they're being judged out of, those are the same books in Revelation 20, verse 12, Revelation 20, verse 12, where John said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. 10,000 times 10,000, Daniel said. And those are the ones that are described in verse 32, in Matthew 25, 32. Verse 32, and before him shall be gathered all nations. That will be every person from every age of the world, from the beginning of time, from Adam right unto the last person who was born on the earth, from the most remote parts of the earth from the most distant places, all people that God says are, by the way, all one blood, one blood in Acts 1726. It doesn't matter if it's a man whose skin is jet black, or a man whose skin is brown, or a man whose skin is white or whatever, it doesn't matter. All one blood, God says Acts 1726, Acts 1726, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. So when they're all gathered together, then Christ will do his great work of separation. Separation. He's going to, that's the key word there in verse 32. The shepherd shall separate. Christ is going to separate one from another just like a farmer separates the wheat from the chaff, which are all mixed together and start. John the Baptist, Matthew 3.11, Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather the wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's how the farmer separates the wheat from the chaff. The farmer throws the wheat up in the air, and the, the wheat and the chaff together, they go up in the air, and then he uses a fan. He uses a fan to create the wind, which will blow the lighter chaff away from the wheat. This separation in verse 32 that Christ is referring to, is also described in a parable when he said in Matthew 13, 24, Matthew 13:24, another parable put he forth unto them saying, "'The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man "'which sowed good seed in his field, "'but while man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares "'among the wheat and went his way. "'But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, "'then appeared the tares also.' So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it these tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. The farmer's separation of this wheat from the tares is exactly what King David was referring to in the first Psalm, in Psalm 1, verse four. Psalm 1, verse four, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So this separation that Christ is speaking of here when the shepherd separates in verse 32, verse 32, is the same as the separation of the fishermen. The fishermen, you know, when I go fishing and I get a fish on the line, I don't know what kind of fish it is. He's on the line, but I know he's there because he's practically ripping the rod out of my hand. And so uh, I struggle, and I reel, and I reel, and I reel, and sometimes the fish, normally, the fish gets uh, several bursts of energy and makes a run for it, and the drag on the reel lets the fish run, and the clicker just wheels away at the click noise, but then the, finally the fish tires, and I reel, and reel, and reel, and we repeat this several times. And all the while, I have no idea I have no idea what kind of fish it is on the line. I think I know a little bit because I've gotten to know some of their struggling patterns, but the struggle can go on. It can go on for a minute and go on for five minutes and go on for 15 minutes until finally the fish tires. Actually, it's always a question. And I always say to the fish, which one's gonna tire first, me or you? But you know, finally, he tires out and I'm able to bring him up And when he gets within about eight feet of the water, and if there's other people in the boat, they all say the same thing. I see color, I see color, which means that we can see the fish. And then we can see what kind of fish it is. I look at it and I have a a laminated sheet where I have a picture of all the good fish to eat. And if it's not one of those good fish to eat, then it's a bad fish not to beat. And so the good fish, I keep the good fish, and the bad fish... And not good Well, I throw it away. That's the separation between the good and the bad. Or the separation can be seen in the fishermen in Christ's day who didn't use hook and line like that, but they used nets. And what they did is they dragged the nets onto the shore. And then the fishermen would sit on the shore with that net there and with all the fish in his net, and he would do the separation process. You say, good, you keep, bad. You go away. And Christ talked about this in Matthew 13, 47, Matthew 13, 47, when he said, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, and but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth. And sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, in verse 32 here, verse 32, Christ said that he would be the one, he's the one who's going to do this separation one from another. Notice that in verse 32, when he shall, verse 32, when he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. So what's clear here is that Christ spent a lot of time in all of these uh, parables and explanations. He's given us, he's taken a lot of time to tell us about the separation process that he's gonna do. He's taken a lot of time to do that. And notice that Christ says that he is the shepherd and when he describes the sheep, he calls the sheep his sheep in verse 32. His sheep. But when Christ describes the goats, Christ does not call the goats his goats. He doesn't do that. No, no, no. Christ calls the goats the goats, but he calls the sheep his sheep. Why? Because the sheep are Christ's sheep. They're Christ's sheep, and he's the shepherd. Just as David said in Psalm 23, 1, Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Just as David said in Psalm 95, verse seven, Psalm 95, verse seven, for he is our God and we are the people of the past of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Just as David said in Psalm 100, verse three, Psalm 100, verse three, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. David said, the Lord is my shepherd and we are the sheep of his pasture. Christ is not the shepherd of everyone, he's not. Not everyone is a sheep of Christ. The most important question that a person can ask in this short testing time that we call a lifetime, relatively short, the most important question that any person can ask is, is Christ really my shepherd? Is he really my shepherd? Am I really a sheep of Christ? No one is born with Christ as their shepherd, no. There's not one person that's born that it can be said about that little baby, Christ is a shepherd, no. No one is born a sheep of Christ, no little baby. Is a sheep of Christ. When Christ told Nicodemus in John 3:7, John 3, seven, marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. That's really a mistranslation. It's sad. It's so you have to be, you must be born again. It's wrong because it doesn't say born again. Literally, the Greek reads: born from above, born from above. Christ told Nicodemus, You must be born from above. Christ told Nicodemus, you need a new birth that happens someplace else. It happens above you, outside of your natural birth. It's a spiritual birth, and that new birth from above is when Christ becomes a person's shepherd. You must, what Christ was telling Nicodemus, you must have me as your shepherd. What Christ was telling Nicodemus was, you must become one of my sheep. That's what he meant, and that new birth that's from above is when a person becomes one of Christ's sheep. And God makes that new birth to happen from above when a person is really sorry for his sins and tells God that he's sorry for his sins, and the proof that a person is really sorry for his sins is when the person stops those sins that he's sorry for and when that person gives himself 100% to Jesus Christ and makes a life commitment that he follows through on to follow Christ and serve Christ. That's when God makes that person to be born from above and that's when that person becomes one of Christ's sheep and that's when Christ becomes that person's shepherd and Christ becomes that person's God. Many people today, many people today think they are Christ's sheep. Many people today think that Christ is their shepherd and God. Many people, when they're in trouble, in deep trouble, will recite the 23rd Psalm when their knees are shaking and they'll say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Many people, when they're in trouble, will call out, oh my God, oh my God, but the question is, really? Is Christ really their shepherd? Are they really one of Christ's sheep? Is Christ really their God? And we cannot tell. We cannot tell who is really one of Christ's sheep. Judas Iscariot was one of the disciples. Judas Iscariot was the disciple that they all trusted to handle the money, to be the treasurer. And when Christ said, the Last Supper, that one of the disciples was not really one of his sheep, that one of the disciples, he was not really a shepherd. None of the disciples, none of them, suspected it was Jude Iscariot. And the disciples all began to ask Christ, is it me, is it me, are you talking about me? Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time.